Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Another Dolphins podcast. We are inching closer to week 14, and we interesting news has been dropped onto our laps. And joining me today to talk, you can find him on X at Brian Cat NFL, my good friend Cat. How you doing today, my friend? Doing good. I mean, if you, we had gone back in time three months ago, and you'd be telling me that I would be calling Austin Jackson uh, getting a contract extension of $12 million a year a steal, I, I wouldn't have known what planet we were in. But that, that's what happened today. Still wiping the sleepies out of my eyes. You wake up, you start refreshing X first thing in the morning. You see, I think Ian Rappaport was first. I, I'm sorry if someone else was uh, first, firster. Uh, but Dolphins, Austin Jackson agreed to terms on a three-year, $36 million contract extension to keep Jackson in Miami. The max value is $39 million, includes $20 million guaranteed. I mean, before we even dive into how well he's played this year, what's your initial reaction when you do refresh Twitter, refresh X, whatever, and see just that report um, on your feed? I mean, I was surprised that Austin Jackson um, took the contract, to be honest with you, because, I mean, mm-hmm. look, $12 million is a lot of money, but you just go back one offseason ago, the top two paid free agent offensive tackles. Jawan Taylor, four years, $80 million, $60 million guaranteed. Mike McGlinchey, five years, $88 million. 50, 57 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So uh, you look at Austin Jackson, three years, 36 million, 20.7 guaranteed for a season that he's having at 24 years old. That's, you know, very, very good value. But also, too, the interesting thing is from Austin Jackson's point of view is because he was so young when he was drafted, um, he is signed through 2026. So when he hits free agency in 2027, if the Dolphins don't extend him before that, he's only going to be 27 years old. So mm-hmm. because of that, if he stays with the Dolphins for three more years and continues to improve or even plays at this level, he could hit free agency um, in 2027, uh, or excuse me, 2020, yeah, 2027, the year after 2026, at only 27 years old, and then get a monster contract if he keeps improving. I think that's the one thing I tried to preach throughout the entire offseason, right? This guy was drafted when he was 20 years old. I think Mike McDaniel said it today during his press conference that, you know, this guy was going against grown men, 300-plus pound men when he was 20 years old, barely out of college, and he couldn't even drink yet. Uh, just so giving him that little bit of time to grow and develop, I think, was so important. I think, too, that some people were kind of rubbed the wrong way because uh, McDaniel mentioned this, too, that he's been always such a headstrong person like he wants to be coached he wants to be coached hard and one of the quotes that always stuck out to me is that I think it was after his first or second season a reporter simply asked him do you think you could be a starting caliber tackle I think it was even left tackle in the NFL he didn't have to think you know he said yes right away and what we're seeing at least this year you know you have Butch Barry you have an offensive coordinator and offensive staff that understands football it understands that we don't need three offensive coordinators in order to have a successful football team and we're starting to see hey Good things happen around you. Maybe you can grow into a nice flower. Right. It was He was in over his head as a rookie and really his first couple of years in the league. And it was kind of unfair to him that, you know, when he came uh, to the Dolphins in 2020, he was tasked uh, with taking over for Laramie Tunzel a year a year later, um, mm-hmm. you know, because 2019 they, they had Julian Davenport there. Uh, but yeah, he was he was all who could forget. Uh, <laughs> but in 2020, I mean, you draft this guy 
and he's 20 years old and is a tasked with being a day one starter. And he did not have good tape at USC. I liked him as like a third round prod project at the time, mm-hmm. but drafting him 18th overall, I thought was insane. And then the first three years, he's either terrible or he's hurt yep. throughout those first three years. So the Dolphins in totality did not get great return on that investment, but just sitting here in the present, now he's in his fourth year. He's a good, he's a good right tackle, getting better, just 24. And now you got him for a reasonable contract to come back. The Dolphins rank third in the NFL right now, where they're only allowing, I think it's 1.5 sacks per game. They're also second in about with about 150 rushing yards per game right behind Baltimore. Uh this offensive line in general has been so impressive to watch grow and develop. I mean, but thinking about this. And there are a couple of players that also fit into this bucket. I think of Andrew Van Ginkle the same way I kind of think of Austin Jackson. Andrew Van Ginkle, he had his highlight moments in years past, and I definitely don't want to take that away from big uh, blocked kicks, a couple of sacks. Uh, but that's another scenario where you're wondering, does this player choose to kind of stick with the team? Like I look at Austin Jackson, and you mentioned him being able to be a free agent again in three seasons. I mean, if you're him and you're trying to last in the NFL and after four years of struggling and clawing just to kind of stay in that starting role, I mean, it's also a sound investment for him to stay with the Dolphins, a team that believed with him, a coach that believed in him in order to kind of grow. So when he's looking at that next contract, whether it's with the Dolphins or otherwise, you're kind of feeling pretty good that he's going to keep growing in the right direction. It's not like you're plucking him off another roster. I mean, I was having a chat about how the Dolphins signed TJ McDonald, a safety one summer, and then they gave him a contract extension without him even playing a snap. So I just kind of like not only what the Dolphins are doing, but I think if Austin Jackson wants to make the most money possible, it sounds weird to say, hey, good thing you're not taking a huge contract now. But I mean, if you're in the league six, seven, eight years, it's you're going to make more money than one pretty solid paycheck. Right. So Austin Jackson seems to be playing the long game here. And, uh, you know, yeah, man, just bringing up those Mike Tannenbaum moves, uh, Nate Allen and and TJ McDonald back there at safety. Uh, Yeah. Lawrence Timmons, who quits, uh, quits before he plays the first game and then they have to beg him to come back. But anyway, good memories here. Uh, Now, Andrew Van Ginkle, that's going to be an interesting contract talk because he's going to be 29, believe it or not, next year. And because he came out of Wisconsin, he was 24, 25. So he was a little bit older. And as well as he's playing this year, he's kind of a positionless guy too, Mm -hmm. where some teams may not think of him as a three, four edge guy. Some may have him as an off-ball linebacker. Some may think he's not a good fit at all. So there could be between his age and that he's a positionless type of player, there could be more of a limited market for him than than there would be. So I'm hoping that the Dolphins can get Andrew Van Ginkle back for a, for a good contract, a decent-sized contract, somewhere below, you know, $10 million a year, if, if that's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it is. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I think kind of like Kyle Van Noy, and I'm not trying to say that Andrew Van Ginkle is Kyle Van Noy, but just the idea that you need the right system. And and there are a couple of different systems that could use an Andrew Van Ginkle, but there are also a couple of systems where uh, I think of teams that are struggling in the NFL. I think about how the Dolphins, Danelle Ellerby and Philip Wheeler, not the idea of, hey, we're getting guys that fit in our system. It's the simple, you're a good linebacker. We want you come play for us. And, you know, if Andrew Van Ginkle gets into that situation, he could see himself, you know, having to fight an uphill battle, has this high contract where he's underneath a magnoscope where, uh, magnifying glass, I should say, and everyone's just kind of wondering why isn't he that same player? Well, the versatility, the flexibility is all different based on the defense you're in. 
I agree. And I really thought when Vic Fangio came here that Van Ginkle was not going to be a good fit. And I said that because it's it tends to be a defense that before the snap, you line up largely in the same spots every time, and then you change the picture quickly before the ball snapped. Mm-hmm. I thought Van Ginkle was somebody that just pinned his ears back and blitzed the quarterback. Same. And the amazing thing is from day one, Vic Fangio pointed to that guy and said that he and just raved about him. And Fangio doesn't rave about mud. So he's done a he's done a hell of a job. And if they can get him back for a decent price, they may really need him at the beginning of the year if Jalen Phillips has any setbacks with his Achilles recovery. Yeah, and I think um just it's off the top of my head, Nick Needham was the last Dolphins player to come back from an Achilles injury. He missed just about a year, and even he's still working back into things. It's actually nice to kind of see him on the field a little bit more. That's a great point about Fangio, though, because I mean you back to the summer and go back to the summer and they were talking about how, yeah, we need more help at safety. Yeah. We need more help at defensive tackle. He had no issues saying that when things are wrong, you didn't hear a lot of guys getting a lot of praise, even the Bradley Chubbs. It was, we know what he can do, but we expect him to do more type of thing. So the Andrew Van Ginkle thing is pretty interesting. And, I can't speak to anyone in their situations. Andrew Van Ginkle's worked his tail off if he wants to sign a big contract, but I'd love to get at the end of the day, it's a business, yada, yada, yada. But to give them that truth serum and see how much lower would you be willing to go just because you are having such a fun time in Miami, your family is here and everything's going so well. You're with a team that knows how to use you and see how many players really value that more than going to get the money. And don't get me wrong. I'd be totally cool if they were off trying to go get the money. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see now because they really had five free agents, uh, big free agents heading into this offseason with Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, Van Ginkle and Christian Wilkins. Mm -hmm. Well, they've got one out of the five under contract now. I don't think they're going to get all five back. Um, So but could they get two back? Could they get Robert Hunt and Connor Williams back, bring back that same offensive line and run it back next year? That that's, and then on the other side of the ball, you lose Van Ginkle and Wilkins, for example, and you try to replace them, but you don't mess with the offense. Those are the decisions that are going to have to be made. Can we go through it real quick? Let's go. Who who on that list? Let's say those last four guys. List me your priorities of who you need back in this, uh, back in this locker room. And I do want you to consider the price of the contracts for each of them as well. If I were to, and this is with the price of the contract, I'm I'm going to assume Wilkins. Uh, is going to ask for up to, up to 25 million, but let's put him at 22. Okay. Andrew Van Ginkle, 9 million. Uh, let's, let's put him right at there. Connor Williams, let's say 13, Robert Hunt, 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it, him being out a couple of games may have helped the dolphins from that respect. Um, if I were to number him, I would say number one, Connor Williams, number two, Robert Hunt, number three, Van Ginkle, number four, Wilkins. I think I agree with that. And I think there's a lot of the Wilkins thing. It has to do with the contract because he's a complete monster. I mean, the value of having someone playing 90 to 95% of snaps is just so insane. But I mean, I even kind of have a feeling that if he gets offered the franchise tag, he's already going to kind of be griping about that. Again, I'm not trying to hate. He deserves to make as much money as he absolutely can. Um, yeah. But and, the, and, and and sorry to cut you off. I want to make it clear too that for those t- – uh, foil us off that that's really with the price tag associated associated with it otherwise i would have wilkins connor connor williams and robert hunt all really close just straight up as players with wilkins probably first on that list mm-hmm. and um 
Van Ginkle fourth, very simply because you've got Phillips, you got Chubb, and the, the three guys above him, I believe, are actual real stars at their positions. I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of have a seeking suspicion that Christian Wilkins might get offered the franchise tag. And since he, I think, declined a contract from the Dolphins flirting with about $20 million, even maybe a little bit more, that he might be against it. So I do wonder if maybe he is traded before that. T- this is such bad vibes when this team is playing so well. But a contract was signed, and it gets really interesting when you start talking about all these different um, decisions that are going to be approaching pretty quickly. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's uh... – the Dolphins are going to start losing some players over the next couple of years. But the, the good thing is that when you see the coaching on both sides of the ball now, when you have coaching at that level, you just look at what the 49ers are doing. Like they're able to replace players in their system very easily. I mean, mm-hmm. people were looking at the 49ers before the season when they lost Mike McGlinchey and they replaced, replaced him with uh, Colton McKivitz out there. And they're like, wow, that's a huge drop off. Well, McKivitz is playing better than McGlinchey this year. You know, it's, it's funny how that works. And when you look at the offensive side of the ball, how easily the Dolphins have been able to replace players who have gone down. I mean, Isaiah Wynn goes down and Eichenberg steps in. Connor Williams goes down. Eichenberg steps in again at center other than the, than the Bills game. Um, I mean, Jalen Phillips goes down. Van Ginkle steps up. Um, Jalen Ramsey goes down. Coder Cater Kohu steps up. It's a culture really of next man up. And the Dolphins haven't had that in so long the injuries would always be an excuse to lose that's so so important to keep in mind and it's strange where we're in a situation where last year it was every week like we were there was concern panic like if tron armstead's not in the lineup we might be in trouble this year again he is one of the best left tackles in the league you want him on the lineup but all of a sudden you're like keon smith kendall lamb these guys are getting the job done. This is this is pretty impressive. I mean, you have four different starting offensive linemen over the last four weeks, and they're averaging one sack allowed per game. I mean, I think there was a David Long quote a few weeks back about how he was just talking about how everybody's ready to go come game day because nobody knows who's going to be out there. And I think that's so important because all the years of, yeah, we had to throw Jesse Davis in and it just completely crumbled everything. Those days are gone where you can just kind of say, well, we lost player, uh, you know, two, three players, all of a sudden, hands up, we can't do anything else, season over. Absolutely. I'm right there with you on that. Let's take a quick little break here, Kat, and on the other side, let's get into some Week 14 matchups. All right, so the Dolphins are not playing until Monday Night Football. I need to know who I'm rooting for. I need to know how the Miami Dolphins can maintain the number one seed. Kat, you're much smarter than I am, so let's break it down. Let's take a look at what we should be rooting for on Sunday as fans of the Miami Dolphins. Well, the good news is if they beat the Titans, where they're 13-point favorites, they're going to be number one seed heading into next week. But the obviously fascinating matchup is going to be the Chiefs and the Bills. And I've got to say, go Bills in this one. Um, Now, I'll tell you why. Because, look, if the Chiefs beat the Bills uh, on Sunday, their four games after that are at New England, the Raiders at home, the Bengals at home, and the Chargers at home to end the season. So uh, if the Chiefs win this game this weekend, I feel like they're going 13-4 and four with the tiebreaker over the Dolphins. Therefore, you can pretty much kiss the number one seed goodbye unless the Dolphins run the table for the rest of the year. Now, the Jaguars... I look at they they play at Cleveland this week. Trevor Lawrence has the time at the time we're recording this. He did practice on a limited basis, but it's not looking too promising for this week. Maybe not next week either. And they've got the Browns and the Ravens the next two weeks. Um, two of the best defenses in the NFL. 
uh, before their schedule lightens up. The Ravens flat out have a murderous schedule the rest of the year. Rams at home this week, which is by far their easiest game, at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, Dolphins at home, Steelers at home. So mm-hmm. overall, the reason, but if you look more directly at this game um, with the Bills and the Chiefs, um, if the Bills beat the Chiefs here and the Dolphins take care of business in these next two games, the Dolphins would have the opportunity to, even if they lost to the Cowboys the following week, if they beat the Ravens, their play, their odds of getting the number one seed, according to the New York Times, uh, a playoff simulator would be over 80%. So if you reverse that and the Chiefs win the game, yes, the Dolphins have an easier road to win the division, but the say all those same things could happen. The Dolphins would go from an 80% chance to a 50% chance by um, winning the next two games, losing to the uh, Cowboys and beating the Ravens. So you're, there's a huge gap between the Dolphins being able to get the number one seed if the Bills do or don't win this weekend. If the Bills win this weekend, what would you say the odds are that we're looking at a first round of the playoff rematch with the that's, Chiefs and the Bills? That's the scary thing because, look, the Bills are, yes, the Bills are six and six, but uh, when Josh Allen is on, he's probably the best player in the league. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's so I don't, it's not all bad if the Bills don't win um, because the Bills would be six and seven. And then from that point, if for nothing else, the, the, if, if the Bills do lose this weekend, they could win the next three games and the Dolphins would be able to put them out of the playoffs in week 18 at home. So mm-hmm. they're, that is tempting as well, but I am laser focused on the number one seed. And if the chiefs lose that game, I have a good feeling the Jaguars and Ravens are not going to get to 13 and four. Therefore the dolphins can win the next two games, get to 11 and three and wouldn't even have to win the final three games to get the number one seed. They could win two of the next three finish 13 and four and get the number one seed still. I think the Ravens actually have the hardest schedule in the NFL over the final five weeks. And I think the Cowboys are actually up there with them too. Uh, Funny enough, they both have to play the Dolphins. I mean, I I think what you've been saying for most of the year is just so important though, too. It's, you know, you have these games against good opponents that are important. Every game's important, but just taking care of business against the teams you should, making sure Will Levis cannot mess around and show the world what he's capable of on Monday night. Pray to God Zach Wilson doesn't have some sort of revelation and goes bananas where this Dolphins team, there's, there should be little doubt because I'm going to have you say the stat about how the Dolphins do when they're big, big favorites. But I mean, I think as we watch Hard Knocks, as we hear Mike McDaniel talk, they're so laser focused in. They're not overlooking any opponent because eight and three last year quickly turned into eight and eight. You bet. And when the Dolphins are favored by four or more points, they are 18 and 0 since December 2018. And they have covered in 14 of those games this weekend, or I should say Monday night against the Titans, they're 13 point favorites. And even in the following weekend against the Jets, you would have to think they're about the same against them. Maybe a little bit less, maybe 11 or something like that. Cause the Jets overall have a pretty good defense, but these are take care of business games. Um, and another, you know, if we're, if we're aiming for that number one seed, um, if the bills beat the chiefs, Dolphins win the next two games and then they beat the Cowboys to go to 12 and three and then beat the Ravens. They have a 97% chance of getting the the top seed. So look, is all that going to happen? 
probably not, but it's within reach. Do you, who, who would you pick this weekend, Bills, uh, Chiefs? Who, who are you leaning towards? Because, I mean, the Bills, it's been so fun to see them lose to Mac Jones, to see them lose to Zach Wilson. But, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. If Josh Wilson – yes, Josh Wilson. If Josh Allen wants to come out and be the best player on the NF, in the NFL on any given day, he can totally do that. I got to look over my shoulder because my wife's a Chiefs fan, but I'm going <laughs> to say Bills is my prediction. Uh, right now, Chiefs are favored by two and a half. Um and, you know, look, the Chiefs are Chiefs are not as dangerous as they were in the past, but they've got the best defense they've had in the last 10 years. So mm-hmm. no one in this AFC right now is unbeatable like the Chiefs have been at times over the last five, six years. And, oh, man, I just keep thinking about that, that. uh What that Bills team can do once it gets hot and what we're going to have to listen to in the media, because we know what's coming. We know that that team's going to be there Uh, trying to think through the Jags. I'm not super worried about kind of competing for that one seed anymore. Their defense had a few weeks where you were kind of impressed, but I think that's the unit. Even if Lawrence was healthy, that'd be kind of dragging them down where all of a sudden you lose a game against the Colts late in the season or whatever. It may be another team in the South that you weren't necessarily expecting just because, I mean, it's like the dolphins where we're in the hunt, like there'd be, 80% 80% of the time, your defense is awesome. 20% of the time, EJ Manuel, for some reason, just torches you. I, you can't even explain it. Yeah, and the Jaguars, taking a look at their team, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, you look at the next two weeks, again, they're not going to have Christian Kirk, their leading receiver, for the next couple of weeks. Trevor Lawrence could play this weekend. He could be out these two games as well. Uh, and if he, even if he's not out, he's going to be severely hobbled. But if the Jaguars, you take a look at their final three games of the season after the Browns and after the Ravens, they've got the Bucks, the Panthers and the Titans. So mm-hmm. because of that, yeah, I they need to at least split the next two games, because if they do and then win those last three games, they're a 12 and five. The Dolphins still are in a position where they have a one um, they, they have they have a little bit of wiggle room in that they can possibly lose one of the last three games and still get the number one seed. I'm starting my push for the fantasy playoffs here. Would you start uh, Kelvin Ridley in the double flex PPR league um, over, let's say, Cooper Cup? See, man, it depends on whether or not Lawrence plays. Uh, so, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would, start, I, would start, I, I would start Cooper Cup. I would too. I I have such a hard time. I'm the one seed. I'm looking real good. This is the last week to lock up the cash for the number one overall seed. And I just keep looking at Cooper cup. I've been looking at how he's been struggling. I just can't, I wouldn't be able to stomach it if I lose because I took Cooper cup out of the lineup. It just seems like the silliest decision you can make. Yeah. And I, I get to, I'll, I'll give a tip to all your listeners here I, at the beginning of the year. I do this. Uh, because when I'm at work, people come up and show me their fantasy football rosters all the time. So what I do is I create an entire Yahoo league for myself and I draft the entire league, uh, except when I'm drafting, I, I take all the best players and the other nine teams who I'm also drafting for, I don't take them. So then I take a picture of that. And when somebody shows me their fantasy football team, I've got, you know, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, I've got I've got pro bowler on top of pro bowler. So just a just a tip for your audience there. Real flex. Let everyone know how <laughs> how well you are at fantasy. I like that. I'm gonna have to start. That's a good way to get people coworkers who don't stop talking about it too. Just be like, all right, dude, shut up. I, I got this game one for us. Oh man, it's yeah. No, I I, I play fantasy football too, and I I, I enjoy because everyone in my league is so so into it. But uh, yeah, it gets uh, it gets exhausting as the season wears on. Not your question, 
just 12 people at work at the same time. <laughs> Pat, before I let you take off here, it's always a blast talking with you. Let me get that final score prediction for Monday night. Do the Dolphins keep that post-Thanksgiving winning streak going? So the Titans in their last nine games are 0-9 on the road. Huh. Um, their last road win was at Green Bay on November 17th, 2022, uh, 384 days ago. Um, the Dolphins, as you know, 18-0 since December 2018 when favored by four or more points, but also 9-1 um, in their last 10 home games. This is also on prime time. The Titans are going to be missing uh, Jeffrey Simmons at defensive tackle and also uh, their, their, their punter, Ryan Stonehouse. You may say a punter. But this guy has quietly been like the best punter in the league for the last two years. So that's that's big. And you don't exactly have backup punters on your team. Right. So that could be a, a factor as well. Um, yeah, I think the Titans are in a lot of trouble. And uh, another thing, too, is Will Levis, when he is when the pocket is clean for him this year, he completes 70 percent of it, over 70 percent of his passes. When he's pressured, he completes 36.2% of his passes. So the Dolphins, who have been great at getting to the quarterback, are going up against a terrible Titans offensive line and a quarterback that's completing under 40% of his passes when he's pressured. Very big advantage, Miami. So I I expect I expect a big victory. I'm going to go 34-10 Dolphins here. I'm in. Send it in. Cat, my friend, you have said it all. We are doing things a little bit differently today here on another Dolphins podcast. We know Hard Knocks was a couple days ago, but I dragged Merrick and I dragged Josh back to share some thoughts. So I'm going to kick it to us. Have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Fins in. First half of the show, you listen to me and Kat rant about the rest of the Miami Dolphins schedule. We had to come back. I had to make Merrick work overtime this week. I had to pull Joshua back into the studio to talk about Hard Knocks and a star was born in Andrew Van Ginkle. Yeah. What day is it? I, I didn't check my calendar when I woke up this morning. Is it Friday? Friday. Is it Saturday? Friday. I think it's Friday. Well, Friday. Heading into the weekend, ready to kick my feet up and enjoy some rest and relaxation. So excited for that. Uh, just a couple more days till the Miami Dolphins play football again. But but yeah, we'll, we'll rewind to Tuesday night and, and Hard Knocks episode three. Uh, Mike McDaniel got a potty mouth. Just, just, just. <laughs> unloads on everybody just just doesn't stop cursing finally figured out what was going on with those shoes it was kind of what i figured you know he keeps the tag on because that gives you street cred and and you know it's very important i, I believe he's a 39 year old like he man. stole them it looked like one of the tags that you get like <laughs> if you went to footlocker and ripped that or like the magnetic strip well, that sets the sensor everywhere. off yeah yeah, it was a very informative episode. You're right, Jake. It was the AVG episode, the Andrew Van Ginkle, but it was really AVG's wife who who stole the show. She was she was on that episode quite a bit. I like when she said that she dyed her hair so that she wouldn't have the same hair as her husband. That's amazing. I, I, I laugh I out a, loud. Does your wife do the same, Josh? You have the long I, the long hair as well. Mine might be longer than her. I don't know if that's something I should admit. <laughs> so, uh, does she dye it so that she doesn't look like you? No, hers is straighter. So I got the curls. I think it's a little bit different. I can't imagine though seeing her with blonde hair and AVG right next to each other. I mean, you'd think they might be sisters. Have you ever gone as Weird Al Yankovic for Halloween? I have not, but I've heard that. I've heard that. I heard Russell Brand, and they're always so terrible. Oh, okay. I don't want to yeah. be Weird Al. I don't want to be Russell Brand. I don't want to be any of those guys. It sounds terrible. Weird Al's cool, bro. I like Weird Al. Yeah, and Harry Potter was Weird Al. So you get it's like 
You're kind of. Who's the dude from Harry Potter? There's a guy that from Harry Potter that someone said I'm gonna look like when I'm older. I can't remember who it was, but we're getting way off track here. I'm we're getting way off track. <laughs> the answer is always Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah uh, she was very excited that they were getting a wedding cake, not because they were getting married, which they did not not this past was it this past summer, maybe maybe prior to the 2022 season, but because Andrew Van Ginkle had a pick six against the Washington Commanders, she kept talking about that cake and. I started thinking about what if I got a cake for like all the good things I did in life? Like what if I had a good day at work and, and somebody like I taught someone how to do a cool wrestling move and then the next day they just showed up and presented me with a cake? Like that would that would actually be extra motivation, better motivation to do my job well. Not the money I get paid, but the cakes that I get served. I don't I don't wanna speak that I wouldn't do different in that situation, but like if if I was sitting there and I had cameras on me and like I was having a couple of drinks and my significant other just brought back a, a tutty the other way, I mean, I'd be losing my ass. She did a great job. She did the most like professional, like, yeah, like, like clapping, like fist pump. I'd be losing my mind, like fists in the air, sprinting around the place because I mean, you don't see defenders score touchdowns. Awesome. I think one of the funniest things with parts of the episode was um, right after the pick six, Mike McDaniel, the first person he went up to was Jalen Ramsey to be like, that's how you do it. That's how you find the end zone. So she deserves all the credit in the world. I'd be a maniac. I'd be throwing stuff because, I mean, that was such a great game for Van Ginkle. But she should also – she's probably a little used to it because that's kind of been his MO since he got in the league, right? It wouldn't be necessarily a full game of domination. But, oh, this guy just got the crazy game-changing blocked punt. This guy just, you know, got the interception. ABG's kind of always been that guy. Yeah, big game gink. I'd be freaking out too because I'd be like, oh man, my my husband, my significant other uh, just earned us an extra few million dollars on this contract that he's about to get in free agency this upcoming year. I'd be like, we're going to be so rich. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it was just nice though to see their whole backstory, right? And I think that's what we like about Hard Knocks. We all kind of knew, um, at least I was hesitant going into this, not sure what to think, you know, how much different this would be than what our everyday life, right? You see some of the questions in the press conference. But being able to see these players, you know, the families, being able to see uh, Van Ginkle's wife and just how she interacted um, with her friends and family and things like that. And like you said, Jake, how stoked she was about that. Um, it was just an awesome episode. And it goes back to just um, being stoked at the Dolphins are this, right? I mean, it was nice to be able to look forward to Tuesday and be able to see, uh, look back at the commander's game, be able to see the Andrew Van Ginkle story. Last week, we saw the Jalen Phillips story, even though, you know, that hurt a little bit, but um, I'm loving every second of this thing. And to be able to see Andrew Van Ginkle, his wife, his kids, what uh, one of them's name is Rip Van Gink, I think. And the other one would be Leo Ripken Van Ginkle. So, Van Ginkle. Rip, yeah. So Rip, Rip Van, Van Gink when he gets old. Yeah, Those so, guys have I mean, a sense awesome. of humor. Amazing. Yeah. And then huge, huge Wang. We got to remember the huge Wang thing. Yeah. So, well, it's some context because otherwise we're just going to be remembering some really weird shit. Um, the HBO account that, which also it's interesting because this was on HBO and it's the anti sharing password thing, but the HBO account that Andrew Van Ginkle and his wife use, the name of it is Hugh Wang, which is the funniest thing ever. Um, and then I think it was Andrew makes a comment of, oh, that's not even our account. So not only did this happen, but this was screened by both the NFL and by HBO. And they were like, yeah, some, some password sharing. So yeah, it's a funny moment. So, so I think we got a little while longer to keep sharing each other's passwords. So that'll be something fun to keep in mind. Guys, did you hear McDaniel call that, hey, Tua's going to throw for 450 against Washington? He kind of had a sense all week that Tua was going to come out. And I mean, knowing how much that Washington defense struggles in man-to-man -man coverage, I mean, you can't be too, too surprised. 
Yeah, and honestly, Tua, he he did end up only throwing for 280, but that was with him barely playing in the fourth quarter. So if this game was a little bit closer, and I, I think I expected it to be closer based on the fact that, that Washington can put up numbers. Sam Howell came into this game leading the league in passing yards. Uh, he is now second behind C.J. Stroud because the Dolphins only allowed him to throw for 127 yards, which is phenomenal. Zero receptions for Terry McLaurin. Um, so I thought it would be a little bit closer. And if it was, Tua probably would have gone well over 300, possibly into the 400-yard uh, passing range there. But, I mean, they, they – I don't want to say he was disrespectful to the commanders, but he even said it. This, this Their team is feast or famine, right? Their team is feast or famine, and uh, they did less – feasting against the Dolphins on both sides of the ball. And it was, it was more famine for them in Landover, Maryland that day. Yeah, dude, he must have two on his fantasy team because he was expecting insane numbers out of that. And it just, I think what I like most, and I mean, again, we haven't seen so many back behind the scenes looks at some of our teams in previous, you know, years, but you can tell this is an entirely different culture uh, team, you know, family type thing than what we had with Brian Flores. You know, they were walking on eggshells, the TNT wall, even before that, you know, we have never had a coach. It seems that is this type of guy. He's almost like a, you don't want to say a buddy buddy relationship, but the way him and Tua, like their, their relationship together, the chemistry, they're joking around the sideline. I mean, that is what you want out of your, your leader, right? I mean, it's making everyone else, you know, play and be themselves. And I just, um, again, I just love that Mike McDaniel's our coach, love that um, what they're building and, and just love this team. And it's just awesome to see how much this team loves each other and how much they're playing for one another. And I just hope that it continues, but um, that's the home me, man. It's just, it's just nice to have a Dolphins team that we can, um, we can be happy about. Right. I mean, not to say we weren't before, but um, we, we look at the Dolphins team and we know that, you know, we have a head coach now we have the right system in place and we're doing things the right way. And I don't know that we ever felt that way before. The Colts and Cardinals were both on this in-season hard knocks before, and the preseason hard knocks is usually six episodes or so. Um, this is going to be a bit longer than that, and I really think the NFL lucked out the best way possible by picking a team like the Dolphins. I mean, you want to talk about the no-fun league? We have stories about how the NFL is firing uh, uh, guys on the sideline, the dude who had Tyreek Hill's phone. Um, the NFL ended up letting that guy go because he was working on the sideline for him. Basically, what I'm trying to get at is the NFL is still kind of known as that no fun league. And you could tell right away they were leaning so hard into saying like, hey, let's look at how fun we are. Let's look at how cool we are, because they were praying that the Dolphins score at least one touchdown because they had so much footage of them getting that roller coaster celebration ready. And they were launching it quick so much one after another and I just keep thinking about the fact they posted that Tyree Kill backflip video and it just kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit because they're like yeah look at how cool and fun the NFL is <laughs> in reality it'd be a lot more fun if they let them do backflips like who's who's that harming I don't know okay gentlemen permission to put on the tinfoil hat let's do it let's do it so here's here's what I've been thinking about they have said that they're going to air hard knocks for as long as the Miami Dolphins are playing football this year, right? So we have, what, five more regular season games? So we get them for at least five more weeks. But you're going to make more money if you're able to air more episodes and sell more ad time. So you want the Dolphins to play longer than five weeks. Now, the Dolphins are on the verge of clinching a playoff spot, clinching the division, it's not 100% locked yet, and I'm going to cross my fingers and toes so I don't jinx them, but it's very likely that they're going to make it to the playoffs. Currently, they're the number one seed, 
and might get a buy in the first round. So you're probably going to get a bye week episode where they're going to go to this beach and that beach and do this vacation and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, right? But if they win the next game, now you get to cover an AFC championship. And if they win that game, now you get to cover a Super Bowl. Could we see, you know, there's all these conspiracy theories out there that that the NFL tells their referees to favor one team over another, you know, goose these guys a little bit. We're going to goose these refs a little bit so that we can uh, we can influence which teams make the playoffs, you know, the teams that get the higher ratings, yada, 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 right? Well, you can't get any ratings if there's no episodes, and you can't get any episodes if the Dolphins don't go deep into the playoffs. Could this actually end up being a really good thing for the Miami Dolphins that they're on hard knocks and that they're going to play and or they're going to keep airing episodes until there's no more Dolphins games? We've heard for years that the NFL is rigged. Are you trying to say that this is rigged? Because, I mean, I've always wondered. Everyone always, you know, the NFL scripted this and that. And I always thought, well, what the hell do they have against the Dolphins, right? If it's scripted, man, give us a Super Bowl. So, um, dude, tinfoil hat, I mean, it would absolutely benefit them if the Dolphins did go on. Um, you sitting here talking about, you know, home field advantage, uh, you know, a bye and things like that. Dude, I'm, I'm getting queasy just thinking about it. I just, I just want that, Jake, that 1% chance, right? Isn't that what it is? The Dolphins could miss the playoffs. I just want that to go away. Like, when do we clinch this damn thing? Because uh, it, until it happens, I'm, I'm still a little bit queasy. I'm going to tinfoil your tinfoil hat here with some issues. Let's say everything you said happens, and that's fine and dandy. But we're not smart people, and, and we're ready to yell that the NFL's rigged. So if we're not smart people, and we're ready to yell that the NFL's rigged, and they have the Dolphins going all the way to the Super Bowl just to make money, they are going to get the living crap kicked out of them by the San Francisco 49ers. So <laughs> saying that it's rigged in the Super Bowl. That's That's the conclusion you're building here. You think you think that's the one that they that everyone gets all upset and so they're like, all right, we're they're rigged. goosing the refs towards yeah towards the Niners. No, okay. So what's worse, the Dolphins not making the Super Bowl or the Dolphins making the Super Bowl and losing? Because I've asked myself that question about a thousand times over the years. What's worse? Listen, I don't want to sound greedy here. I, I really don't. I'm so grateful that the Dolphins are a very good football team. That week off between the Super Bowl and the championship game alone is going to be the, the most horrible week of my life. Just anxiety, paranoid, just waiting for yeah. the game. So if you're telling me right now that I can choose to skip that, I think I would. But again, at the moment, I, I don't think I'd go that way. But as the logical, like not in the moment, like, hey, yeah, tanking makes sense type of mindset. Yeah, I think I'd skip it. So then can I put a tinfoil hat on and tinfoil? I don't know if that's how it works, but what I was going to say is, um, it, it just, go I don't remember what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I completely forgot. <laughs> it's the tinfoil hat. Nice. It's the tinfoil hat. It's blocking the thoughts from, from escaping your brain. It's all the glue I sniffed when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I don't remember what I was going to say. I was eventually going to throw something out there and say how they fired that guy for doing the flip with, with his camera. But, um, the Cowboys put drumsticks in every single, um, what, make a wish bin in the entire stadium and ate them in the fourth quarter, and they didn't get shit done to them. So, what's up with that? I mean, this dude can't even pick up a phone and do a backflip, but these guys can hide drumsticks in the temperature danger zone so they get the poops and pull them out at the end of the game and eat them, and nothing happens. I, I don't know about the no fun league. I, at some point, I was going to go off about that. That's all I got. I think, I think, I think Zeke died for their sins because I think he got fined for jumping into it. So, in reality, Tyree Kill is getting fined so, so Devon Achan can do like triple somersaults in like five years i think that's that's where we're headed I'm yeah and i do I'm, remember I'm my tin my tinfoil hat thought was 
it, are we better off that the Dolphins have not made the playoffs at all to lose and feel that disappointment over the last 20 years? Like, is it okay that we've been through that and now, you know, they go to the playoffs, they win some games. That's what we want to see instead of losing in the playoffs. Like, tinfoil hat, is it better that we didn't make the playoffs for the last 20 years? No, no. I see. As a as a fan of the I'm Cleveland Guardians baseball team, it's I a tinfoil hat. You can't. I can tell you because they haven't won a World Series in I don't know seventy five years or something like that, much longer than I've been alive. They made the they made the World Series in twenty sixteen and they had a three game to one lead over the Cubs and they blew it and they lost and that felt awful. But the run to the World Series was so magical and so fun and so enjoyable that. After I got over the sting of them losing the World Series, I was able to to live relive those memories and go back and enjoy that. And so if that happens to the Dolphins this season or any season in the near future, if they make it to the Super Bowl, what they do lose, it's going to hurt. It's going to be crushing. I will die a little inside, but eventually I'll get over the pain and I'll be able to really appreciate the run that led us to there. So that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. When you think about that too, like think about that run, that 2016 run, and the best stories from it. It wasn't. It wasn't always the stars that were showing up in the in the primetime spots, was it? No, no. And that's what this Dolphins team is is really been showing us week after week. I mean, the Andrew Van Ginkle show, Emmanuel Agba having his couple sacks, Liam Eikenberg, Nancy Pomposi, whatever you want to call them, just lining up anywhere on the offensive line and being solid. I, I think that just kind of has the vibe that this Dolphins team is turning into, where. You have studs. You absolutely have stars that that Cleveland team had stars. And I'll even start with Terry Francona being that number one star of that entire group here. I don't know how you feel about him. That's another story for another time. But you have those those foundational pieces where you can have these guys who might be 78 to 83 in Madden who can go bananas and have these great performances because you have that support system around you. And I think that's been one of the most exciting parts about not only hard knocks, but this Dolphins team in general. Yeah, and so we, you know, we we're guaranteed another five episode of five episodes of Hard Knocks. We got to get a Tua episode. I don't know if we're gonna get one though. He's a very private person. He's probably not gonna let the cameras in his house. But he, there's rumors that he hosts Thursday night football watch parties and cooks barbecue and sings karaoke and like like. I want that. I want that on Hard Knocks. I want to see that. And then we need the Mike McDaniel episode where they follow him home. And of course, we need the Jalen Ramsey episode. And then, you know, we need the the Xavier Howard episode. It is HBO, so you can show all of it. Xavier Howard's at home exploits because he's he's known (laughs) to to get busy. (laughs) Then he's gonna hurt. Then he's gonna show up with two groin injuries. Yeah, we finally figured out why he was listed with two groins last. last season he was he was he got too much action baby but uh it's been fun they've been good episodes i'm looking forward to the to the next five at minimum but probably more than that thank you all so much for listening to another episode of another dolphins podcast again sorry we did things a little bit differently this week but you got to hear some fun rants about hard knocks we will be back in the next few days ahead it will be dropped before monday but joshua and i will be back with a preview of monday night football between the tennessee titans and the miami dolphins but until then what's up what's up